What's up, everybody? Oh, boy. Hey, it has been uh, 28 weeks, 196 days, but who's counting? Since we last gathered physically as a church, can I just say, you all have never looked so good. All right, it is so good to see all of you. And uh, I want to welcome those of you here at our Northwest campus, uh, all of our campuses around the city, uh, those of you in watch parties, uh, whether in our city or around the nation. I know we have uh, just about at every campus, we've had overflow at every campus. And so I want to say hello to the people sitting in overflow. Thank you for your grace and your understanding. Uh, so glad to have all of you join us. want to give a great big shout out to anybody that uh, cannot or maybe just isn't quite ready to join us uh, physically for any number of reasons. Maybe uh, you're just not comfortable with the idea of it yet. Maybe you are in a high-risk category, wouldn't be wise uh, for you to do so. I just want you to know that we totally understand that. Uh, we love you, we support you, we miss you, and I uh, can't wait for you to uh, join us when the time uh, is right. You know, I was thinking about this uh, last week that um, uh, if you would have uh, said to me way back in 2019, remember that year? <laughs> Don't you miss 2019? Oh, man, I... We didn't even know what we had, all right? But if you, if you would have said to me, hey, in 2020, there's going to be a global pandemic. It's going to result in us not being able to physically gather as a church for six months. Uh, after I would have regained consciousness, all right, I would have brushed up my resume because I would have thought, uh, I don't know how we could weather uh, something like that. And I just want you to know uh, I would have been so wrong because not only are we weathering this, um, in the last six months, uh, our church has actually grown. Uh, in influence and in impact. We have seen um, uh, thousands more people engage with us online than what we had prior. Uh, we've seen people get into groups. Uh, we've seen all kinds of baptisms. We've met all kinds of tangible needs throughout our community. I really honestly think that what this season has done is just, just sped up uh, the direction God was already taking us. And uh, I just want to take just a quick second and just thank you as a, as a church family. I've read every single email, uh, card, DM that you have sent me. And you all are the most encouraging ch church on the planet. And I appreciate your grace and your understanding. Thank you uh, for what God has uh, done uh, in and through you uh, during this particular time. I also know that um, here in the last several weeks, I've been out and about and uh, I'll be in a restaurant somewhere. Maybe somebody will come up to me and they'll kind of do a little bit of a double take and they'll go, hey, you're that guy. Like you're the, you're the guy on my phone. Like you're the guy on the screen in my living room. And it's just confirmed my worst nightmare <laughs> that this pandemic has turned me into a televangelist. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, I'm the guy. And they're like, hey, well, we've never been to your church physically, but during the last six months, we've joined you online and we can't wait to come in person when you regather. And so I just know at every campus, there may be a whole bunch of people uh, with us for the very first time physically. So can we just put our hands together and welcome everybody that may be here. We're glad to have you. And thank you for your grace and your understanding as we try to navigate this whole distancing thing. And it's such an encouragement to my soul uh, to see people uh, in this room. Well, uh, we are pausing the series in Luke that we have currently been in uh, to launch into a short three-week series that uh, I believe God's really laid on my heart uh, during this time as we regather as a church called Behind the Mask. And you know, uh, it goes without saying that 2020 has been a challenging year for every single one of us, but these are some of my favorite 2020 uh, memes because a picture just communicates things so well. Me being prepared for 2020, 2020, right? It's just 
The arrow found its way right through there. Uh, if uh, 2020 was a bag of chips, it would be the flavor of orange juice and toothpaste. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is my favorite one right here. If 2020 was a scented candle. Yeah, just a bunch of flaming porta potties. That's what this year is. And uh, if, if we could uh, uh, describe 2020 with a, a, a grouping of words, we might say that it's been crazy, it's been stressful, anxious, we've been depressed, we've been overwhelmed. And this word right here, divisive. 2020 has been a divisive year for all kinds of reasons. The global pandemic, uh, which has led to a, uh, a stressed out economy, uh, which has led to um, political tension and social justice issues. In fact, we, we might even say that 2020 has become the year of, of being offended. And can I just maybe ask you today at all of our campuses and anybody joining us online, how many of you have just, you just be willing to be honest and say, I've been offended multiple times this year. I'd be right there with you. How many of you have been offended this week? How many of you have been offended today? How many of you are offended that I'm suggesting you might have been offended? Right? That's just, that's just kind of goes right along with the year that we're having. And I, I've thought a lot about this over the past several weeks. And I think that at least part of the reason why we're, we're so offended right now is that um, the uh, emotional shock absorbers, if we could call it that, that we have under more normal circumstances, the, the, the shock absorbers that are there to, to help us sort of overlook maybe something that hits us the wrong way. Or maybe absorb an offense of some kind. Those shock absorbers, like, that were there in 2019, like they're not there this year because of the stress and the anxiety and the pressure that we, that we are under. And uh, it just causes us to get set off when someone says the wrong thing or maybe somewhat fearful or agitated when we see a post on social media. And fear is the fuel that ignites all of that and the media knows it. And so we get hung up on an offense that we maybe could have overlooked last year. Magnifying all of this is the fact that we, we've got to keep our distance, you know, six feet apart and, and we're zoomed out. We're constantly communicating with people via a screen or over a keyboard. And when we do get together physically, we're in a mask. One of the things that I've learned is that there is so much that we communicate from our eyeballs down that just gets missed when we're covered up in a mask. And so it creates this sort of barrier of connection and communication with others. And all of this is the perfect storm for division and disunity, which is the norm in society. Like society does this without even trying. But when it comes to Jesus' church, it should be different. When it comes to, to the church, we should actually be the, the model of what unity looks and sounds like. But, but sadly, we're often not. Tragically, we, we oftentimes just end up mirroring or in some cases even magnifying the division that we see everywhere else. And when that happens, it holds back or even blocks the message that we have been entrusted with. The message of God's love and grace that is available to anyone and everyone through Jesus Christ. And so I know we've been out of practice for six months. So if you're going to clap, 
sell out, all right? None of this golf clap stuff, all right? So, hey, there we are. There we are. So here's where we're going the next three weeks in this series. Behind the mask, and we might even say uh, across the, the screen, we need to be reminded is a real person who has been created in the image of God and Jesus died for, who deserves to be loved unconditionally, even if they happen to see things differently or they disagree with you on secondary issues. And if I could say this, a secondary issue is anything that, that may be very important. I'm not saying that it's not, but it's not mission critical. Here's the churchy way to say it, that a secondary issue is, is something that is non-essential to salvation. And if it's not essential to salvation, then we can have the freedom to have a difference of opinion on it and still stay unified as we look to Jesus. The church in Corinth, the church in Corinth was a hot mess of division, which is what prompted Paul to write these words to them in chapter one. He said, I appeal to you. That's a strong word. He didn't say, hey, I'm suggesting to you. Hey, I'm saying, hey, you might give this some thought. No, he says, I appeal. This is a, uh, I'm begging you. I'm like face down on the ground, eating pavement, asking you, dear brothers and sisters, not, not by my own authority, but they, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Now here it is, straight up. Let there be no divisions. It's in the plural because he knew there was more than one thing dividing them. In the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now I don't know how those words hit you. And maybe at first you think to yourself, well, that's a nice thought, but that's impossible. Maybe some of you look at that and go, well, what does that even mean? Like, how do, we, how do we stay united in thought and purpose? Does that mean that we just need to keep our mouths shut and our opinions to ourselves and hold hands around the campfire and sing kumbaya? Is that what that means? And I would say very clearly, no. That is not what that means. Paul is not suggesting uniformity, right? Uniformity is where we all look alike, sound alike, talk alike, act alike, think alike. Uniformity. No, no, no. He's saying, I want you to have unity. And unity implies diversity. Unity says, no, you, you look different. And you talk different. And you act different. And you think different. You have different perspectives on things. But you can still stay unified. Don't allow uh, your differences of opinion over secondary issues bring division into the church. Why? And here's the two things we're really driving down on the next three weeks. The mission of the church is far too critical for that. The mission of the church. Now, uh, I, I want to be uh, super clear as we regather as to why we do what we do. Like as much as I'm so grateful for uh, online digital capabilities, the last thing I want to be is Christian Netflix, where people just take in spiritual content on the weekend and then don't do anything with it. The last thing I want is for you to show up at a physical gathering and just get some spiritual content. Like I hope that happens, but that's not the primary reason why we here are here. Like, I, I'm not just hoping that I give you a little bit of an encouragement to get through another week. Certainly hope it happens. If you get that, not a bad thing. That's not why we're here. We are here to remove unnecessary barriers that can get people to Jesus because he's the only one who can change anyone. So we just want to clear the path to get as many people to Jesus as possible. Here's the second reason, and this has everything to do with you and me. God's plans 
for your future. And I'm talking to you, not to your neighbor, not to your spouse, not to your kids, not to the person sitting beside you. I'm talking to you. God's plans for your future are far too big for you to hold on to an offense. And we're going to unpack that more next week. Because when you hold on to an offense, it inevitably turns into bitterness. And bitterness is the cancer of your soul. And it has killed far more people than a virus ever will. And so countless people, countless people, I'm sorry, I'm juking you. I know. You're like, well, you said to sell out, sell out, not to give a golf clap. And you're not even slowing down to give us a time to clap. <laughs> All right, I know, I know. Bad thing I have this, this pesky timer telling me how much time I have and it's running down. All right, so, so countless people have derailed their lives because they've held on to bitterness over offenses from their past. And God wants us to, to let go of that. So man, this has been a wild year. And I, uh, I was thinking about it this last week. I remember going whitewater rafting in Colorado years ago. And I don't know if any of you have ever done that. Um, but uh, you, you get into this like r- rubber boat and there's a river guide in the back and he or she calls out uh, orders and their job is to keep everybody in the boat. Their job is to get everybody down the river safely and have a good time while you're doing it. And so I remember getting in the boat, I was on the, the, the front right and, and uh, our guide said to us, say, listen, uh, for about half the ride, uh, it's just going to be enjoyable. We're just going to go with the current. It's going to be peaceful. Enjoy the view. But there's a handful of places in the river that are going to get pretty technical. And it's going to get pretty dangerous. And you can have fun riding through them, but uh, it is going to be critical that you listen to me because I need all of us in the raft to work together to get through it. And so when I tell you to paddle, I need you to paddle as hard as you can. When I tell you to stop, I need you to stop. If I tell you just to put the paddle in the water, put the paddle in the water. Everything is for a reason. And if we are going to navigate through the technical parts, we got to work together. He even used the word, we need to stay unified. And he goes, because there's one part in the river that I'm particularly nervous about, and it's flipped a lot of boats. It's called Satan's cesspool. (laughs) That's actually the technical name. And he said, man, if we're going to get through Satan's cesspool, then you, we're going to have to work together. And it's a pretty good analogy for the year that we're in. See, this raft is our, it's our church. And in 2019, man, we enjoyed the view. We are just riding down the, 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 the river, enjoying the current. And then we hit Satan's cesspool, which is 2020. And can I just say, as, as one of your river guides... Your imperfect river guide, by the way. Let's just stay together. I'm going to need you to row. I'm going to need you to look out for your, for your neighbor. If we're going to get through this together as a church, we're going to have to stay unified in thought and in purpose. See, here's the thing. Is that Jesus saw all of this division coming. He, he's not surprised by any of this. And the reason why I can say that so confidently is because of the final thing that he prayed the night before his crucifixion. It's found in John 17. If you want to turn there, uh, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, This is uh, the night before Jesus' uh, arrest and trial and crucifixion. And he gathers his disciples, his, his closest followers together, and he's going to pray. And he doesn't ask them to necessarily pray for, for him. He, he wants to pray for them. And what he prays is so crucially important. 
He says, starting in verse 11, now I am departing from the world. He's talking to God. He says, they, talking about his disciples, are staying in this world. But I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be, here it is, united just as we are. That's a pretty incredible thing for Jesus to say. He's like, God, just as you and I are connected in unity, Father and Son, may they be connected to each other. And he goes on and he says, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you, thank you, I'm on a clock. All right, so just as you, I missed you guys. This is amazing. All right. Just as you, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. At the very end of Jesus' life, the thing that he was the most concerned about was our unity and our oneness. The thing that he was the most concerned about for the disciples was their unity because he knew that as long as they could stay in sync with each other and in sync with their heavenly father, there was a chance that the world could change. But if they ever got divided, if they they ever got at each other's throats over secondary issues, then the wheels would come off. Now, why is Jesus praying this over his disciples? Well, uh, uh, have you ever noticed how divided they were? They were constantly arguing with each other. They were constantly bickering about who was going to have the greatest seat next to Jesus. I think oftentimes we think that the disciples were alike, that they all looked alike and sounded alike and talked alike and that they were from the same region, had the same convictions on everything. And that's just not the case. They were a group of, some of them were fishermen and some of them were tax collectors, very different in their perspective. Matthew's politics would have been very different from Peter's. And I bet you there was plenty of nights around the campfire when the conversation got heated. And so now Jesus is praying and he's saying, God, please help them because I ain't been able to do anything with them in the last three years. And now I'm getting ready to leave. And I don't know how all this is going to go down. And God, they need to stay unified because the message has been entrusted to them and through them. And next... He prays for you. Did you know that? That on Jesus' final night on this earth, you were on his mind. And our church was on his mind. And the church of Jesus all over the world was on his mind. And he prayed and he said these words. I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones right in front of him, but also for all who will ever believe. And if you believe today, that's you. In me, through their message, I pray that they will all be, can we say this out loud together, all of our campuses and online, one. May I say that again with a little bit more passion? One. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us. Here's the reason. So that the world will believe you sent me. That was the reason. 
This is absolutely remarkable. Of all the things that Jesus could have chosen to pray for in his final prayer, unity was the thing. He didn't say, hey, God, they're going to have a rough time in 2020. Would you just keep, help them to, to, to stay sane? God, would you just protect them from the virus? Hey, it, not a bad thing to pray. He just doesn't pray it. He says, God, would you just help them to stay unified? Because divisive times are coming. He didn't say, hey, God, would you give them the power and the position in society to convince the world, to prove to the world that they are right and everyone else is wrong? He didn't say that. He also doesn't offer any qualifiers. He didn't say, hey, God, could they be unified just as long as that other group uh, is, is, is right? Like if the other group agrees with them, then help them to stay unified. But if they disagree, then, then game over. He didn't say, no, God, help them to be unified just in, in the event that maybe somebody else is just being a big jerk face. And if they're being a big jerk face, then light them up. That's not what he prays. He says, may they be one. May they be unified because that message is more powerful than anything else. So here's what's been personally convicting for me over the past couple of days. And I found that when I've been personally convicted, it's much more powerful when we walk through it together as a church. And it's a question that maybe you might ask of yourself. How often has what Jesus prayed for in his final prayer made it into my daily prayers. And I've thought about that a lot lately. Aaron, how often have I prayed for this? And I gotta tell you, not enough. That it oftentimes doesn't come to mind. I often pray things like, God, please protect us and please help us and please get us through this. And, and, I, and I don't pray for unity enough. I haven't longed for it. I haven't appealed for it. I haven't been on, flat on my face asking God to do what only he can and I'm just wondering if even just a portion of our church began to pray this and to act upon it, what God might do. May they be one. And I'll give this to you. It sounds impossible, especially in the cultural climate in which we live. But Jesus was convinced that not only is this possible, it is absolutely imperative. This is not an add-on. This is not extra credit. This is not a golly, wouldn't it be nice if we could just all get along? He says, no, this is actually the very thing that I've called you to do and be in this world. Which means, if it's going to happen, we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to be intentional about ensuring unity within the church because this was Jesus' dying prayer. And it doesn't come naturally, does it? It doesn't come naturally because, well, you only know what you know. And you didn't necessarily get a say as far as what ethnicity you are or what part of the country you grew up in or the family that you grew up in. And, and, and all of our experiences, much of, of which are sort of out of our control from childhood all the way up, are, have become these like sort of lenses that snap in front of us by which it interprets the way that we see the world. The technical world, uh, word for this is it's called a worldview. It's the way you view the world. And all of us come at it from, from different angles. And so when we are under stress, when we are afraid, when we get anxious or depressed, we have a tendency very naturally to run to our corners, the ones we're familiar with, turn around, put up our dukes and protect our turf. And Jesus is like, listen, 
My church is going to be so diverse and so international. He wasn't kidding. Like Christianity started in the Middle East and then it's migrated all over the world, the center of it. And it went over to, to Europe and it's been to Asia and it's been to North America. Now the primary place where Christianity is growing is in the Southern Hemisphere. Every other world religion, wherever it got started, that's where the hub has remained. And Jesus is saying, listen, my message is international. And it's going to have so many languages and colors and cultures. It's going to be such a beautiful thing. But because of that diversity, it's also going to be messy. And so you're going to have to love each other. And you're going to have to be intentional about unity. You're going to have to fight for it, pray for it, long for it, appeal for it, sacrifice for it in order to be one. And then he wraps up the prayer by saying this in verse 22. And I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. And that just stopped me right in my tracks when I read that. I was like, perfect unity? Jesus, can you lower the bar a little? And how about we start with, I don't know, like mediocre unity? How about we just like unity that's maybe good enough? Jesus, perfect. It reminds me of something else Jesus said one time. He goes, be perfect as I am perfect. And it's like, geesh, like you don't expect much. Perfection. I just want you to know every time Jesus says perfect, he, what he's referring to here is like, like you can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. It means, hey, perfect unity means Jesus is going, hey, this is like, far outside your ability to do it. And I'm trying to make a point that the only way you stay unified is by my spirit. That the world will know. There it is again. It's so, these two thoughts are always connected. We stay unified, not because it's just nice. We stay unified so that the world will know. The mission is far too critical. That you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Are you beginning to see why Jesus prayed for unity? See, this is the shocker. The reason why he prayed for this really doesn't have anything to do with us. He prayed for oneness because of what he wanted to do through us. And if there is a lack of unity in the church, Jesus will remove his presence and the spirit of God will leave. And that's not a hypothetical. I see it all the time. The pandemic has just sped up where God was already leading many churches. The pandemic is also speeding up the death of many churches. And it's, it's pretty common that I'll get phone calls from leaderships or elderships from other churches just around the country. Say, hey, could you spend a half hour with us on the phone? Could you help us navigate this issue? And I see it regularly where there are churches all over the nation where the spirit of God left them months ago, years ago. And the tragic thing is they haven't even noticed because they're too busy trying to be right or protect what they had. And my fear as your pastor is that that might happen to us. I never want to get to this place where it's like the spirit of God left and we didn't even notice. Yet when the world looks at the church and sees incredible unity, not uniformity, but unity in diversity, that it would sit up and take notice and just might come to the conclusion that maybe this Jesus stuff is real. And it's powerful and it's life-changing. And that they would go, whoa, how are you doing that? Because we don't see an example of that kind of unity 
anywhere else in the world? How do you love each other that much even though you disagree on so much? And that's our moment to shine. I say, let me tell you why. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus who gave up his life so that we could have hope. Jesus says, this is not an add-on. This is mission critical. And the way that the world is going to sit up and take notice of this beautiful, diverse thing that we call the local church is when we stay unified, even though we might disagree with certain issues, and even though we may be raised in different ways that influence the way we see the world. And Jesus says, man, I'm telling you, this is it. I'm telling you, this is the very thing that will turn the Roman Empire on its head. There has never been anything like it. And you cannot sacrifice unity for anything. And it's so important and mission critical for us to remember this as a church family, especially a few weeks out from what is shaping up to be an incredibly divisive and emotionally charged election. And I just want you to know that as your pastor, I have never and will never push or promote any sort of political agenda from this platform because I am here to unpack the truth of God's word and point people to Jesus. That's all I'm trying to do. So I'll say this, I'll say uh, come uh, November, be involved, uh, do your research, pray like crazy, do your best to vote in such a way that honors God and respects people, but let's not be divided over temporary, limited, man-made political systems. Government has its place. Government has its place, but it is not our savior. Jesus is. And Jesus' church has not only survived the last 2,000 years of history, it has thrived even when, especially when, the governing authorities of its day opposed it. So we don't need to be panicked or fearful about the results of this election or any election. And here's why. In our short history as a nation, I think we oftentimes forget that. America is really young. In our short history as a nation, both political parties have gotten some things right and some things wrong. We just have to concede that. Both political parties have produced some great leaders and both have produced some not so great leaders. In our short history as a nation, we have a few political parties that no longer even exist. Any Whigs in the room today? Any Federalists joining us online? Welcome, right? No, they, they were around like not all that long ago, had strong opinions about things. They don't even exist. Why? Because they're temporary and man-made. And so why in the world? Would we ever allow, as followers of an eternal king, allow ourselves to be divided over temporary political systems and temporary political leaders and temporary political platforms? Why would we allow ourselves to be divided by lesser kings? And I would even go as far as to say this. This is what is truly tragic. Why would we allow ourselves to be divided over fear? When Jesus most often command in scripture is fear not. Fear, fear not. And you know what? That's really what's at the core when we lash out at someone, whether it's social media or otherwise. It's, it's fear. It's fear of something we'll lose. It's fear of something that will change. And Jesus knew something that the media has not figured out, and I'm praying that they do, is that hope is a far better motivator than fear. And that's... Hope is exactly what Jesus died to give to us. 
He went to a cross to give us hope and he secured it when he walked out of a grave. So why would we ever trade on that? Why would we ever lash out in fear? You see, the hope that we have in Jesus gives us the ability to, to fulfill something else that he prayed earlier in John chapter 13. Jesus said this, he, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. There's a whole bunch of commandments in the Old Testament. He goes, but now I'm gonna give you a new one. You don't even have to write it down. You can probably just remember it. Love each other. In fact, one time uh, he was like, hey, all the commandments can be summed up in these two. Love God, love people. You do that, you got stuff covered. And see, listen, love, um, uh, not you, you love each other, not just the people you agree with. That's not love. You, you love people, not, not just the ones you're related to, not just the ones that see things the way you see them. Because love is when you can do that with people that don't see things the same way you do. And then he goes on and he says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will, here it is again, it's just a theme we can't get away from. Prove to the world that you are my disciples. And fear doesn't love. Fear lashes out. Fear doesn't love. It attacks and it accuses. Fear doesn't love. It just wants to be right. So I want to be super clear at this point in the message, just so you don't misunderstand me. Let me save you an email, all right? <laughs> it is okay to have political convictions. It is okay to have strong opinions about certain issues. It is okay to voice what those opinions and perspectives are. But listen to me, it is never okay to mistreat, verbally attack, or dismiss someone made in the image of God. And the world's going to try to divide you. Society is going to lure you into a destructive argument. Not just an expression of a difference of opinion or perspective. I'm talking a full-on knife fight. It's a trap. Don't walk into it. Don't take the bait. There is too much at stake. Both for the mission of the church and for God's purpose and plan for your life. And so as I wrap up and as I give you a little bit of application, I just want to push you just a little bit. I don't want to push you away. I just want to push you across your comfort zone. I want to ask you in the, in the coming weeks to look for an opportunity to love someone unconditionally who you might disagree with politically. I know that sounds about as fun as a root canal. <laughs> but you're up for it. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I uh, know anybody that disagrees with me politically. And that might be a problem, all right? So <laughs> that might be where we need to start, okay? So, so others of you are going, oh, I know plenty of people that disagree with me politically. I'm related to them. And every time we sit down around the dinner table and that subject comes up, oh, man, we start throwing food at each other. It's just a nightmare. And I don't know. I mean, I've tried it. I have tried to sit down with people I disagree with and it just doesn't ever go well. Listen, I understand that. Try again. Try again. Except this time, pray before you go. Except this time, fall on your face before God and ask him to change your mind and your heart. Except this time, why don't you ask more questions and fewer statements? 
Except this time, why, why don't you lean in and, and try to learn something in, instead of trying to tell somebody else what, what you know? How about this time? The next time, do it without trying to win a debate. Just love the person. You're not convincing them anyway. Just love on them. And when we're able to do that, man, listen, your light is going to shine a little bit brighter and the message of Jesus is going to be even more attractive because things are so divided right now. And I bet you, you do that, you'll earn a hearing with them. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are like, okay, Aaron, hey, good sermon, you know, valiant effort, appreciate it. Don't you think it's a little naive? I mean, do you really believe that can happen? Hey, that's a valid point. I guess I would say it's no more naive than a first century rabbi who gathered a ragtag group of disciples together who were all younger than him, who had no political clout, who couldn't agree on where to sit around the table. And he looked at these fearful guys with low self-esteem and said, hey guys, I'm going to change the world through you. I'm going to build my church, my movement that will give hope not only for today, but for 2,000 years into the future. I'm going to build my church and listen to me, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I would imagine, I would imagine that those 12 fearful disciples shaking in their sandals would have looked at each other and they would have looked back at Jesus and they said, you're going to do what? Oh, you heard me. I'm going to build my church through you. And listen, no, no government, not the temple, not any sort of uh, crisis, no, no pandemic is ever going to be able to stop it or slow it down. Now listen, that's naive. But he did it. And if he hadn't have done it, we wouldn't be here today. So here's the deal. It's our watch. This is our leg of the race. The baton of the gospel is in your hand. Man, I gotta tell you, over the last six months, probably like many of you, I had some dark days. There were some days I was huddled up in the corner in the fetal position in tears going, God, I don't know what to do. Everything's out of my control. I don't have a say in any of this. I can't do anything about it. And I'm just having a pity party for myself in the corner. And as if the spirit of God like came over and just did one of these like loving, like boom. It's like, Brockett, would you get up? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Instead, realize that I've chosen you and I've chosen the people of Traders Point to live during this time in unprecedented history for a reason. It should actually be a compliment that God thinks that you've got the shoulders to handle this. It's been a hundred years since we've experienced any sort of pandemic like this. And God says, hey, my people in this generation, oh man, watch out. And I've had a number of you just reach out to me over the past several months and say, Aaron, do you think we're on the verge of a spiritual reawakening? Do you think that there might be a revival in this land? And listen, I don't know. I hope so. I pray that it will. But I don't think that it'll be because of any pandemic. I don't think that it's because of a struggling economy. I don't think that it's because of fear or depression. I think that if we experience a spiritual reawakening in this land, it'll be because of this, unity. 
Because here's the deal. If the church can demonstrate what unity looks like to a watching world, that'll be enough to spark a spiritual reawakening. But if we miss it, oh man, if we miss it, we miss the opportunity of our lifetime. So don't engage in the knife fight. Just love people unconditionally where they are. Stand and say, God, would you please speak through us and move through us? Help us to realize what is really, truly important here, getting as many people to Jesus as we possibly can. So when you read something on social media that makes your blood boil, when somebody says something to you that, that, that strikes fear into your heart, don't take the bait. Remember, we have an enemy who is an accuser and a deceiver. Satan says fool. And we're gonna navigate through this thing. Here's why. The mission of the church is far too critical for us to settle on anything less. And God's plans for your future are too big for you to hold onto an offense and let it turn into bitterness in your soul. And I wanna invite you back next week, whether in person or online, as we unpack this together. And I'm excited to see what God's gonna do through this. Today, if you are ready to give your life to Jesus, we wanna help you take your next steps. You can just text Jesus to 87221 and our team would love to walk with you through that. Hey, would you at all of our campuses and online, would you just maybe join, stand to your feet wherever you may be? I just wanna pray as we, as we sing together today. Father, we come to you right now and I thank you for your final prayer on your final night on this earth that you didn't pray for our safety, you didn't pray for our protection, you prayed, God, that we would stay unified in the midst of diversity. And so now it's our watch. And man, the last six months have been so tired. It has knocked the emotional and spiritual wind out of us. But God, we know that you're doing a new thing and we know that you are at work and we wanna be with you in on it. So God, help us by your spirit to live out perfect unity so that the world will know where their sense of hope and help really comes from. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. And the church says together in 